Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Gracious God, help us as we read these scriptures together. Bring your understanding and reveal your truth. Let us open our minds, hearts, and souls to all that these words of life offer us. We long to be continually challenged, transformed, and renewed by your word. May we hear your voice of life as we read and draw close to you. Amen. Our scripture today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. Hear these words. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at, the sound, at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native tongue of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Cretans and Arabs, in our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heavens above, and signs in the, on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Word of God for the people of God. It's about five years ago, I was stuck in line at a hotel. There was a, it was a huge line, and we were waiting to check in at the hotel. It was the beginning of annual conference. Now, for those of you unaware, that's when one-third of the clergy, the pastors, and uh, lay folk, church leaders, gathered together for business meetings, worship, and turn on my mic. <laughs> you know, that was a pretty good start. <laughs> 
All right. Did you hear the five years ago? The annual conference? The hotel? All right, okay. So um, I thought I was projecting a whole lot, but anyways. Um, and so waiting in this line uh, with so many people, I mean, this was like a Disney World line, right? I mean, they should have had little, little indicators that said, at this point, you might be in your room in 20 minutes, right? Uh, at this point, you might be in your room in three days. You know, it was just one of those moments, right? And so we're, we're standing there, we're watching. Um, um, and it was interesting because it was uh, down by the George R. Brown Convention Center. Uh, we were in the Hilton Americas, a beautiful um, uh, hotel. I've got a picture of the lobby. Ah, there we go. So that's where the long line was. And what was interesting was there, the Methodists were coming in and there was a comic palooza was going out. And caught in the middle was a college co-ed volleyball tournament. So I just want to say there were a lot of people there. And you kind of got this impression that you could type. There were common denominators, if you will. Um, the uh, the uh, co-ed college volleyball tournament was easy. You could spot them. They, they walked in clumps. We call them teams. Um, they would shout their, um, whatever their team rally is. They would trash talk across the lobby. You know, one, one team's in their Lycra and their uh, everything that Academy can sell um, at the Starbucks, right? Getting their um, skinny vanilla whatever. I don't think I've ever gotten skinny in front of a Starbucks drink. Um, and then there's another team that's, that's yelling, trash talking at them, right? You could spot the co-ed college volleyball team. Can I get an amen? amen. And then the, the Methodists, um, you know, these were less fit people <laughs> who were older and who wore comfortable shoes. <laughs> You know, they, they were kind of in business casual, but it was like J.C. Penney business casual, right? Occasionally, you saw the Dillard's dark suit come by, and, and that was some poor guy who hadn't been ordained yet, right? Um, can, I, can I get an amen about right? common denominators? And then lastly, there was Comic Palooza. Now, some of you may not be familiar with that. It is a convention for people who like comics and role-playing games, fantasy and sci-fi movies. And they are real active participants. They come in the costume of their favorite character. So it wasn't hard to spot the common denominator there, right? Like adults who are trick-or-treating is, is like a good way to think about it, right? So these three groups are melding together as we're all waiting in line to get our hotel. And what I found, um, as Grace, I didn't ask you, but I'm sorry. Uh, as Grace and I were talking, we quickly realized there's a type. <laughs> you, you know, lycra meant volleyball, comfortable shoes uh, meant Methodist, and trick-or-treater Halloween costume uh, meant comic palooza. But there were moments when it would all kind of fade together. I mean, there were young clergy who had come early, and they had already checked in, and they had gone to the gym for a run, and they had exercise clothes on, and we thought, hmm, which one are you? 
And then there's always a couple of pastors who go early for Comic Palooza and they dress up and we saw them in the lobby. There was a, a steampunk campus minister and there were two pastors who were on the same staff. Uh, one was senior, one was the associate. One was uh, dressed as Captain James T. Kirk uh, from Star Trek and the other was Spock. I'll let you figure out who's the senior and who's the associate. <laughs> But, but it was, so there are even places where they um, overlapped a little bit. But truth be told, you could tell who was part of each group. You could tell the common denominators, even though it seemed like a mass of people had showed up in the lobby of the Hilton Americas. Our scripture passage today is a story about a, a huge group of people uh, that really appeared as if they were random, that there were no common denominators in them until the Spirit showed up. Now, today we're celebrating Pentecost. Um, if, you, if you were somebody who read the email, you wore red, right? I mean, I, um, I, I bought a suit for annual conference and I wanna get as much credit as possible, and so I wore it, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm not the funeral director, I'm your pastor. Um, so, so Pentecost, if you were here last week, I talked about Ascension Sunday. And Ascension Sunday was, um, the message was really about how to wait for power from on high. Remember we talked about what it means to wait, and it's not a spectator sport, but that we should wait for what? For power from on high. So Pentecost is that day that Jesus told them to wait for. Go to Jerusalem and wait until power from on high comes. Well, this is that moment that the disciples were waiting for. Uh, there was a mass of people in Jerusalem that day because Pentecost um, was celebrated by the, uh, by the Jewish people. At this point, it's not really helpful to think that there are Christians and there are Jews. There's really Jews, some knew Jesus, and some didn't, okay? Uh, and so um, there are three kind of required or encouraged pilgrimages where wherever you live, you should come to Jerusalem for that holy day. Uh, one of them is Pentecost. Uh, the other is Passover. Pentecost happens 50 days after Passover. So here we have a collection of people coming together for religious reasons to celebrate. At that point, it was more about celebrating that God gave the Torah to Moses. Um, and so they are all in Jerusalem. They are all moving about. It's important for you to think that every home had a guest staying in it. Every rented room was rented out. I mean, um, Everybody had family in from out of town. Everybody was almost done with having family in their home from out of town. I mean, this is like if the Super Bowl uh, came to Lake Jackson, we would all either be renting out our, our homes or we would be uh, having those family members uh, come and stay. And, and, and so the place is swollen with people and they're all there for one purpose, to draw closer to God by being in Jerusalem. Now, um, the author of Acts, Luke, right? Remember last week we talked about the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles are written by the same person, Luke. Uh, 
and, and Luke wants you to know that everybody's here, right? Uh, you know, for those who didn't know what it meant to pilgrimage to Jerusalem, he gives you a list. And I want to say, Bill, good job going through that list. Um, I often tell people if they don't pronounce it as wonderfully as Bill did, I say, say it with authority because it's a dead language. No one knows, right? So Bill, you did a great job. Um, and so I want to show you a map where all of these people come from. Oh, it's an eye chart. That's sad. All right. Um, but you can see as far away from Rome and Cyrene and as close as Egypt. What Luke is trying to say is everyone from the known world has come to this place. Now, um, some scholars say that there are some names on there that aren't necessarily uh, true kind of nations or peoples. The uh, Elamites, um, they are more of a biblical people. Now remember, Luke's not writing uh, about cartography or about cultural geography. He's writing a gospel. And so as, uh, in terms of writing the gospel, he includes some of these biblical peoples that were uh, somewhat separate uh, from the people of Israel because he's making an argument that the whole world has come to the church's doorstep. And what will we do about it? Now, what will we do about it? Well, the arrival of the Holy Spirit shows up. It happens in an upper room. Now remember, upper rooms are where interesting things happen. It's where um, uh, Jesus uh, had, now I'm not saying it's the same upper room, but it's an upper room, right? Where Jesus celebrated the Last Supper, where Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. It was an upper room where the disciples gathered after the resurrection, where Thomas said, unless I put my hands in his side and see for my own eyes, I'm not gonna believe that it happened. It was an upper room where these things happened. It was also uh, this kind of upper room or rented room where they had gathered together behind locked door because there was a little bit of a scare about uh, being persecuted uh, as heretics. Uh, behind the locked door that the Holy Spirit shows up. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, some of you remember this from Sunday school days, it's with a rushing wind and it's with flames that are atop their heads and then the ability to speak languages that they had not studied or known prior to that moment. This is kind of the gift and the theatrics of Pentecost. Now the rushing wind is interesting. There are a lot of symbols that you could put with it. Um, if you're a biblical scholar or if you just uh, had gone to the four week Bible study that I did most recently in May, we would learn from Genesis chapter one that when, um, when the spirit of God hovered over the waters, right, that that was an image of God, that when, uh, when uh, God knelt down into the mud and the clay and formed Adam, that he breathed the breath of life into him. We get a nice consistent idea that this wind from God, this blowing wind, this breath of life, this spirit of God could all be summarized here in that rushing wind. And then you have tons of flame upon their heads. Now, you have to remember, this is the uh, era of no iPhones. This is no internet. This is no PS4 or Xbox One. That this, is, uh, this is a level of special effect that is not seen ever. Little flames 
above their heads. Now, now this could be um, presence or symbolizing the divinity. Um, It could also be more about someone being anointed or chosen. Uh, It is, regardless of what imagery you pull from, it is a fascinating designation for the apostles in that moment. And then lastly, the ability to speak in tongues. Now I know when I say speak in tongues, half the crowd goes, huh? And the other crowd goes, uh-uh, right? I mean, Methodists have been a strange uh, place where, uh, where in some regards, some of that Pentecostal uh, revival came out of the Methodist church. Um, it was over in California. Um, I have comments I could make, but none of them are appropriate about California. <laughs> Um, but there's also this kind of methodical piece where we're not about, you know, speaking in tongues and the only kind of dancing in the aisles that we allow are for cute children and, and nothing else, right? Um, but I want to differentiate here. This is not speaking in tongues like a private prayer language that only you and God understand. This is less about Pentecostalism and more about the ability to share the message. We talked before about how everybody from the known world had been gathered to this place uh, for the purpose of the pilgrimage. And here we have God busting the doors open with a rush of wind, anointing the disciples with a flame upon their heads, and then giving them the ability to speak real languages of the real people who are just outside the door. This is fascinating to me. I I wonder if it's fascinating to you. I'm a man of one language. Um, I I wish I could speak uh, more languages. I have just enough Spanish to get by. It's um, por favor, el baño, ahora, now, right? Please, bathroom, now. Okay, so maybe it's not enough to get by, but it was good for a joke, right? But our world continues to become more diverse. Uh, Houston is one of the most diverse um, cities in the United States. The Gulfton area, if you ever want to go and see the world, just drive down Gulfton and you will see most of the world come to our doorstep. They say that by 2042, Houston will be a bilingual city, uh, much like Miami when you drive down uh, the highways and you see um, Spanish and English on both, on the signs, both. Um, That our world is changing quickly. That the gift of Pentecost is not only the birthday of the church, not just the establishment of who we are, but is the empowerment of, uh, by God, for us to be able to tell others the story of what God has done in our lives and what God is offering for those around us. Now, I I find, you know, I find it very interesting that after the arrival of the Holy Spirit, Peter then has to preach. Did you you catch that? We had two sections, right? Peter has to preach. And I just want to say that it's always hard to kind of be the cleanup after a really good speaker, much less Pentecost, right? So poor Peter, right? And it it was like nine in the morning, right? And, And so it was such a wild experience that people are saying that these people that are speaking in other tongues, they're not filled with the Holy Spirit. They're filled with new wine, And so Peter has to say, it's only nine in the morning. They're not drunk. And I'm thinking, what would it have been if it was 10 or 11 or 12? I mean, where is that boundary? I'm just wondering, right? And so Peter stands up and and he begins to uh, preach in such a way 
that the house of Israel, which is divided at this moment, right? We have um, the, in a few chapters, the call of Paul, um, who as Saul was persecuting uh, the half of uh, the Jews that had known Jesus, uh, you get this uh, very interesting dichotomy, this um, um, kind of enemy kind of approach. Uh, Judaism is trying to squish out the heretics because they don't understand it. And so Peter uh, rises to preach the gospel, and his purpose is not to evangelize folk who don't know about God, but rather it is to tell the house of Israel about how that same God that uh, the prophet Joel preaches about is the same God that we find in Jesus Christ, and the same God that has been uh, here in this place through the rush of a wind and the speaking of tongues. Peter quotes the prophet of Joel, describing how God will pour out his spirit on all flesh, and the, the words are interesting here, right? He talks about everybody has a place. The old men will dream dreams and the young men will have vision that the daughters and the wives, that even the servants, the slaves, male and female will have a place and a role in God's new kingdom. These are powerful words, right? Sometimes we get into this little bit of heresy where we say that the Old Testament God was mean and judgmental and uh, enjoyed revenge and punishment and the smell of burnt flesh, right? Um, and that the, the God of the New Testament was kind and sweet and pet sheep and talked about being a shepherd and went and died on the cross, right? Two completely different gods, not true, one God. But it's interesting that this moment in Acts is one of those tipping points. What, what Peter does is he talks about the prophet Joel, and you remember all those uh, difficult things, right? The, the sun and the moon shall turn to blood, and the sky will be dark, and this is the coming of the, Lord, of the day of the Lord, right? I mean, those are great horror movie moments. This is scared straight, if you will. But listen to what he says when it's over. He says, and all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We, we want so badly to make Peter out to be this prophetic, judgmental prophet, you know, sinners in the hands of an angry God. But really what we get is a God who will forgive all if they will just call on the name of Jesus. You know, much like the group of people who had gathered together for Pentecost uh, in the city of Jerusalem, no matter what your zip code is, no matter what your bank account is, no matter where you live or what you do for a living, uh, no matter if you are Gentile or Jew, call upon the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. This is a, a word of grace, not a word of judgment. This is a powerful moment for the church. The challenging thing about Peter's sermon is not that it was another 14 verses after a really powerful story of Pentecost. It wasn't that he had to be the cleanup preacher after the Holy Spirit. The most challenging thing about that sermon um, is that the next chapters of Acts talk about how serious God is, that it doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, what your profession has been, that if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. And so we get stories in the next couple of weeks, I hope you'll come back, about a, a magician that um, gets saved, about a eunuch that gets saved. I'm not going to tell you what a eunuch is, but it, it's, 
you should come. That's one of those outside of the boundary moments. That there are uh, people who you would never imagine being part of the synagogue or the temple or the people of Israel. And God says again, over and over, as they listen to the gospel and as they are baptized, as they are whisked away, that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I hope you'll come back. Um, I think there are three things that we can do in 2019 that continue the work and movement of the Holy Spirit. Um, And I've I've got a slide that says, um, I think we can be people of the rushing wind. Um, You have to forgive me if I can't work a sailing reference and at least once a month, a little part of my soul dies, right? So people of the rushing wind. You know, it's really easy. Figure out where that wind is blowing. Point your boat in the right direction and let your sails be filled with the Holy Spirit. People of the rushing wind. Second, we can be people who nurture the flickering flame. We talk about raising a generation in faith, but the truth of the matter is that we are nurturing sparks into flames here. And it's not bounded just by your age. It's also uh, something that has to do with your maturity and faith. How much have you journeyed towards the heart of God? We can be the kind of people who nurture the spark into a flame by encouraging each other to pray, by encouraging each other to read the Bible, by encouraging each other to take their next step in their faith journey with Christ. And lastly, the third thing you can do is speak about God in your own language. I mean, you don't have to use fancy church terminology. Some of you know you've joined the church while I've been senior pastor. I ask you one question. Tell me the time when God became real for you. Notice I didn't say day, date, and time that you were saved. Notice that I didn't ask you when did you finally become clear on your sins and grovel back to God, right? I I didn't ask you whether you prayed the sinner's prayer. And for some of you, I say, and if God has not become real yet, it's okay. There's room for you at Chapelwood as God becomes real for you. That's me speaking about God in my own language. I wonder how you talk about God. You know, Josh, uh, our associate pastor, spoke a couple of Sundays ago uh, about the fact that, you know, we should just start speaking about God to each other. I I know it's uncomfortable, but the first step is to do something. And now, hopefully you've done that once. I want to encourage you to continue to speak about God in your own language. Because when I come, you know, if I come to your work and I talk about God or somebody sees me out at the coffee shop, right, they they expect me to talk about God in in very churchy kind of language. And they kind of dismiss me because it's kind of my job. You know, Chapelwood pays you to do that, Peter. They don't pay you. And when you talk about it, it's genuine. And they don't wonder and suspect why, you know, I mean, my dad used to always say when the preacher came around, hold on to your wallet, right? Nobody holds onto their wallet when you start talking about how God became real. I want to close, you know, by bringing you back to that humorous idea of three different groups in the midst of uh, a a hotel lobby, how how disparate they were, how they had their own common denominators. And and as much as the folk of um, business casual J.C. Penney's and uh, comfortable shoes That evening when we gathered together for worship, it was beautiful. It was beautiful because together we affirmed our faith using the Apostles' Creed. 
It's a powerful opportunity. Sure, we had come from all over Texas. Some were from small churches, some were from large churches, some were from progressive or traditional, but when it all came down to it, we were about the same thing. And we showed that by standing and reciting the Apostles' Creed. So regardless of whether you are uh, people who are known by your Lycra or your Spock's Vulcan ears, may we all be known as one in Christ Jesus, gifted with the Holy Spirit, called to be people who let the wind blow, who turn sparks into flames, and to speak our own story in our own language. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.